Lord God, come have your way among us this morning. And we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, band. Uh, if you're new, we've been preaching through the book of Ephesians, and this morning we're continuing with a passage that we've preached on uh, a couple times. Um, pray with me, would you? Father, would you help us to preach this morning? Would you send your spirit to enliven the word in our hearts? Father, that always has to be true, but I'm especially aware of it this morning, Lord, because I don't think anybody here will understand the sermon. Um, and what I mean by that, Father, is there's no way that the human mind can understand this sermon because we're stuck here in these three dimensions of ours, and you are not. But Lord, would you help us to believe the sermon? I, 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 Jesus, I thank you that, that you didn't ask us to comprehend you, to completely understand you, but you ask us to believe you. So by your spirit, would you help us to believe the word, Father? In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter five, verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality, porneia in Greek, and all impurity or covetousness must not, must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which don't fit. But instead, let there be Eucharistia, thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners, do not partake with them. Now, we've preached on all of this a couple times, but it's still a bit terrifying, isn't it? Sexual immorality, porneia. Jesus said, any man who looks on a woman in order to lust after her, to desire her, epithumia is the word, has already committed adultery in his heart. You know, in Muslim cultures, uh, women wear burqas, black bags, over their entire bodies so that men don't lust. I did this interface service on uh, this last Tuesday, and the Muslim guy brought his wife, and she had this black burqa on and just this little slit for her eyes. And I remember looking at her eyes and thinking, wow, those are beautiful eyes. Wonder... What's under that burqa? <laughs> I mean, is there any hope for me? I mean, seriously. I mean, it seems sometimes like there's nothing I can do, that there's nothing that can, can be done. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Wrote, wrote Paul in Romans. Sexual immorality, all impurity. That means uncleanness. No dirt. We live on a planet of dirt. Our bodies are made of dirt. God breathed his breath into dirt. That's, that's you. <laughs> no filthiness. Then Paul says, don't even let covetousness be named among you. <laughs> the, the word is pleonexia. Okay, check this out. It's made of two other Greek words, have and more. It means wanting more. Yeah. And we're Americans, right? I mean, our entire economy runs on wanting more. Every commercial is this. Want this. Want more. You, you must want more. Exodus 20, verse 17, the 10th commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or wife or ox. Got that one covered. <laughs> or donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. That's the law. That's the big one. That's the one it ends with. Number 10, that's the law. And the punishment for violating the law is death. And the law must be written upon your heart. You see, covetousness is something you do with your heart. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> and by the way, we are to do all of this without trying. 
Because Paul just said, I'm imitate God as beloved children. As we preached on three weeks ago, beloved children don't try to imitate their father. They just do. I mean, the last word you'd put on little children is responsible. Those children, they're so responsible. Remember I showed you that home movie of my kids putting on a church service when, when they were little, imitating me? Well, now imagine if I had said to the kids, kids, I'm laying down the law. You have a free will and you are responsible to obey me. Every week you will conduct services in my honor, expressing your great love for me and my relentless love for you. And if you fail, I will annihilate you with consuming fire. Odds are my children would not imitate me as beloved children. They might imitate me as terrified little Pharisees but not beloved children. Beloved children imitate their father freely in the light of his love. Children are not responsible. And yet, beloved children are irresponsibly responsible. The imitation isn't work, but play. And then it's not desecration, but recreation, recreation. So anyway, don't even let sexual immorality, uncleanness, and covetousness be named among you, writes Paul. Be assured that anyone who is one of these things has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And this is why the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So obey without even trying to obey. I don't know about you, but to me the situation seems rather hopeless. Like there's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that can be done. I'm trapped and there's nothing that can be done. It's, it's, as, if, it's, as, it's as if I'm already dead and buried deep down in darkness already. Let's keep reading. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern, more literally, and demonstrate or and discover. Try to discern is one word in Greek, but for some reason the translator feels the need to add the word try. That's a language of responsibility and willpower. But Paul writes, walk as children of the light and show or discover what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shame, it's filth, even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Epiphasi, from epiphino, it's where we get our word epiphany. So quite literally, Paul writes this, awake and Christ will epiphany you. He will enlighten you. Look carefully, the word means accurately or well. I don't think Paul is saying that we should be full of care. He says, look well then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Literally, in, in the Greek, it's redeeming the time. Did, did you know that time needs redeeming? That's, that's an amazing thought, isn't it? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Maybe that's a problem. Evil. And what's evil? Well, evil must be darkness, right? Because Paul's been talking about, about darkness. The problem is darkness. Well, how do you battle darkness? Class? Light! Yeah, there you go! Light! Light is how you battle, battle darkness. Uh, we need enlightenment. We need an epiphany. Enlightenment. And, and you see, enlightenment is not the same as trying harder, right? You can't make light with your own willpower. 
It's not trying, enlightenment's not trying. In fact, the harder you try in the dark, the worse things often get. Just go try building a, I don't know, something, use power tools in the dark. It's not a good idea. The harder you try, the worse it gets. The faster you run in the wrong direction, all the more lost you become. You see, you can't battle darkness with darkness, especially if you are darkness. You need enlightenment. According to the Associated Press, Lisa Burnett, 30, 23 years old, of San Diego, had just a, a terrifying experience in a grocery store parking lot um, several years ago. A, a terrifying experience, until someone else that was a customer at the store noticed her sitting her in the car with her hands behind her head like this, noticed that she had been sitting there for a very long time in, in the exact same position. And so this gentleman approached the car, concerned uh, for Lisa, and when he looked at her face, he saw that her face was covered in terror. When he asked her if she was okay, she didn't move, but she replied, I've been shot, and I'm holding in my brains. She'd been sitting there for an hour, trying to save herself, trying to keep herself alive. Well, immediately, this fellow, he called the paramedics. When the paramedics arrived and, and finally got into the car, one of them noticed this Pillsbury biscuit canister in the back seat. Turns out that the canister of dough had exploded in the heat. And it sounded just like a gunshot. And a wad of biscuit dough hit Lisa in the back of her head. She reached back uh, uh, to see what it was and, uh, and she thought it must be brains. She passed out immediately. When she came to, she held her brains in place for over an hour trying to keep herself alive. Until someone had an epiphany. Hey, these aren't brains. This, these taste like that, that Pillsbury biscuit dough. Epiphany. And Lisa was enlightened. You see, Lisa was not saved by trying to save herself. Lisa was saved by an epiphany. Now, her pride was not saved by the epiphany. Her pride actually was annihilated by the epiphany. Her pride wasn't saved, but she was saved, and, and she could laugh if she was not addicted to her pride. That's enlightenment. One morning in the early 80s, I was sitting in one of those study carols, round study carols uh, in the CU library cramming for some class when all of a sudden I felt this need to burp. Then all at once, in an instant, smoke just came out of my mouth and my eyes started to burn. I was, I was blinded. I, I totally panicked because I, I remembered this article that I had just read on spontaneous human combustion. I remember thinking, my God, I'm burning to death. I mean, I almost died of a, of a heart attack. And then suddenly, in an instant, I started laughing uncontrollably. I mean, I remember falling like out of the cubicle onto the, people must have wondered what was going on, smoke, then laughter. Well, it was all because I had an epiphany. I remember that that morning I'd hurried to class and I had taken my zip medication um, in, in capsule form, powder in a capsule form, and uh, I didn't have time to drink water, and so it lodged in my throat, and then it dissolved in that moment, and so I wasn't on fire, I was burping tetracycline, zip medic medication. That's, that's an epiphany. Enlightenment. You see, Paul thinks we need enlightenment. Not try harder, but See better, wake up. One afternoon when my daughter Becky was in seventh grade, and she came home just visibly distressed. And you know, seventh grade can be hard, and she was new at seventh grade. I remember just looking at her, and I thought, oh my gosh, what's wrong? I said, Becky, honey, what's, what's wrong? And she said, I got my report card. I got a 3.9. I said, Becky. That's great. I mean, she's ready to burst out into tears all over the place. Becky, that's great. And she said, it is not. And I said, it is too. She said, it is not. I said, it is too. I said, uh, she said, it is not. How can a 3.9 out of 10 be good? And I said, Becky, it's not out of 10. It's out of four. And suddenly she had an epiphany. 
And her tears turned to laughter, her sorrow turned to joy, her, her mourning turned into dancing, and we had a party. We, we went to Red Robins and had a party. That's, that's, a, that's an epiphany. One day you will lose your mind, your brains, your entire way of thinking. Your old body will spontaneously combust with eternal fire. You'll get your report card. All your accomplishments will be nothing but dust, F minus. And then you'll have an epiphany. You'll be enlightened. Your tears will turn to laughter. Your sorrow will turn to joy. Your mourning will turn into dancing. Your absolutely worst day will turn into your absolutely best day. That horrid Friday will become Easter Sunday, and it will happen because it has happened. It will happen. So the only question is, how long? How long will you sit in your car holding Pillsbury biscuit dough to the back of your head, paralyzed in fear? How long will you keep running from the consuming fire that is your father of love? How long will you believe that your report card defines you? How long until you believe the good news? You see, the good news really is enlightenment. Jesus, the light of the world, is good news. Unless, of course, you're a shadow. And then the good news doesn't so much feel like good news if you're darkness. Well, listen to Paul's statement once again, Ephesians 5.8. At one time, you were darkness. Now, he doesn't say dark or darkened, or like darkness. At one time, you were skatos. That's the word Jesus used to describe that place where men and women weep and gnash their teeth in outer skatos, outer darkness. It's a word used to describe Hades, hell, the abode of demons. It's the place of evil. At one time, you were skatos, writes Paul. But now, you are light in the Lord. Not just lit, <laughs> but light. Talk about it, an epiphany. Ephesians 2.3, you were by nature children of wrath. 2.5, dead in your, in your sins. 5.6, sons of disobedience. 5.7, you were darkness. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's everything. And darkness. The earth was without form and void and, and, and darkness. Darkness was on the face of Tihom. That's the, the deep, Sheol, Hades. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. You were darkness. And now you are light in the Lord. You, you are light. 1 John 1, 5. God is light. Now, I'm no great, I'm no language scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but as far as I can tell, and I did a search, this is the only place in the entire New Testament where God is followed by a predicate nominative with the predicate made explicit in the Greek. 1 John 1, God is light. 1 John 4, God is love. Those are the two places. God is light, God is love. Now, now if, if I say pork is meat. That doesn't necessarily mean that meat is pork, right? Because meat is a larger category than pork. What could be a larger category than God? I mean, maybe we call some things love that aren't truly love, and maybe we think some things are light that, that aren't truly light, but, but if John really meant God is light, well, then I think maybe he also meant that light, any, any, any real light, any true light is, is somehow God. You know, for the past hundred years or so, scientists have been utterly baffled by light. 
For one thing, it comes in this vast spectrum. So some forms of light we can see with the eyes in our head, and, and some forms of light we, we can't see. Ephesians 1.18, Paul prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be in, enlightened. And we all know that there are blind people who can't see with the eyes in their head, but somehow see with the eyes of their heart and see better than a whole lot of, of seeing people. So it comes in a vast spectrum, and check this out. A scientist will tell you, tell you this. We really, we really just don't know what it is. I mean, we seem to have this incredibly uh, uh, difficult time judging it. it. It must be one, but it seems like two. And so if you read the, the literature, you, you know that, that, that we say, well, gosh, this is weird, but it's a wave, and it, it's, it's a particle, it's two. But maybe it's one, and we're two. So when we think that we judge the light, the light is judging us. Light judges us. And, and physicists seem to say, and this is wild, but that like light can somehow almost sort of like read our minds. So if you've read much on quantum physics, I mean, just, just read about Schrodinger's cat or experiments, the two-slit experiment with, with photons, and you walk away thinking, God, it's like light is alive <laughs> and reading my brain. It knows what I'm thinking. Perhaps the strangest of all is physicists say light does not age. <laughs> there is no passage of time for light. All time is present to light. And I think that means all space is present uh, to light. All time is present to each photon of light. In other words, light is eternal. So you can't make light. That's, that's an illusion. Light is eternal, eternal. Philosophers and scientists will tell you that eternity intersects time in the present moment, which we call now. You know, now is when we make decisions or experience perhaps God's decision. Kierkegaard said decision is the awakening to the eternal. I mean, it's just incredible stuff to think about. But anyway, Paul writes, at one time you were darkness, but now, now you are light in the Lord and God is light. Wow, God is light. So, um, what is darkness? Well, darkness is not. That's what makes it so hard to talk about. It's a no thing. It's a no light. No, I am that I am. No substance, but absence. Nothing, no thing, nothing. Nothing is so hard to talk about because it, it's not. And, and yet, you know, as soon as you call it nothing, you make it something. And yet that's an illusion because it's really nothing. Darkness is nothing. And that raises a fascinating question. How do you make Darkness. Which, now think carefully, which of course is, same as, is, is the same as asking this question. How do you make nothing? You see, technically, I'm not sure that nothing can be made, for it is not. We make it not. So I wonder if God made darkness or just space and time for darkness. I wonder if God, who is light, made an absence of light or just space and time for an absence of light. I wonder if God, who is love, made an absence of love. I wonder if God, who is good, made evil or just space and time for evil, like he made space and time for me. Well, I'm not sure that God actually can make evil or darkness. However, um, I can. <laughs> and I'm going to show you how, okay? Casey, okay, this, this is going to be just like um, Mr., Mr. Wizard, okay? You know, on, did you ever watch that on Saturday mornings? I'm going to show you how I can make um, darkness. In the beginning... 
God said, um, let there be light in the not light. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And all I have to do to make darkness is stand in the way of the light. With the spotlight on me, I create darkness. See it? See the shadow? No, you don't. Because <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not there. It's nothing. What you see is, is light. Light, um, you, see the, you see the light around the not light. You see the substance around the absence because this is substance and this is absence. And you'll notice that my shadow has a really hard time touching the substance. I mean, it's like my, my shadow cannot comprehend the light and yet the light can shine on my shadow. And when that happens, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. But shadow. What you see is light around an empty space shaped like me. An empty space defined by light, but not light, my darkness. You know, when I was a kid, someone gave me this book on hand to shadows, you know, I think it was my mom. And so uh, I remember lying in my bed, I think uh, probably my sister, it was our room, and uh, before bed I'd make hand shadows on the wall, you know, like uh, this one, and I'd say, Hey, Rachel, look, I made a bird. But of course, I, I didn't actually make a bird. I made nothing in the shape of a bird. Or, uh, hey, Rachel, look, I made a wolf. But I didn't really make a wolf. I made nothing in the, in the shape of a wolf. You see, you could like create an entire world uh, uh, this way. I mean, the easiest thing to make is say, hey, Rachel, look, I made me. <laughs> The me that I make. Well, the Greek philosopher uh, Plato said, well, not only can you make a world this way, but we actually do make a world this way. In fact, this is the way that we see our world. Now, remember, Paul is writing to Greeks in Ephesus, and Paul knew his Greek philosophy. But, but what Plato said is we're all like men chained in a cave, we're chained in a cave in such a way that we can only face a wall at the, at the back of the cave. Behind us, there is a fire that's burning, uh, a light. And when we look at the wall, we see uh, shadows and we mistake the shadows for reality. When, in fact, they are shadows of reality. Shadows of eternal Reality, and then and then he talks about how how uh, difficult it would be if someone were to enter the the cave and break the chains and call those men to come walk in the light because their eyes would not be used to the light. Bless you. Well, anyway, imagine if I was uh, like a man chained in Plato's cave, and someone said to me, Peter Peter Hyatt, would you just look at yourself? Would you see yourself, would you judge yourself? Peter, would you find yourself? And after a while I'd say, hey, you know, I think that's me. That, that dark thing on the wall, I think that's me because you see, that shadow, that particular image, well, it expresses my will. When I will something, it moves. I move and it moves. I move and it moves. It expresses my will. So therefore, I think that's me. That's the me that I make, and yet the me I make is not me. It's a shadow of me. Well, anyway, I watch that me for a while, and I think, hey, look at that. That me is free. Well, if it's free, it's free to do nothing, <laughs> right? 
What am I doing? <sighs> nothing. I'm moving nothing around. I'm accomplishing nothing. I think I'm free, but I'm free to do nothing. Some say that we all have free will. Well, we're all free to will nothing in different ways. We're all free to do nothing, but not free to do something. For you see, a shadow cannot shine light or bear the fruit that is light. And Jesus is the light. And he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So the me that I make is free to make darkness, but not free to shine light. Free to not love, but not free to love. It's free to choose evil, but not choose the good. The me that I make can do nothing but covet, which is actually nothing. The me I make can do nothing but lust, which is actually nothing. The me I make can do nothing but sin, which I think ultimately we will see is actually nothing. Now, the me I make is actually nothing but an empty space in the light. In him we live and move and have our being, wrote Paul to the Athenians. The, the, the me I make, though, is an illusion. A bad dream that I dream of me. And if I am that me, there is no hope. Epiphany. Paul writes this. At one time, you were darkness. But now, you are light in the Lord. You know, he already wrote, put off the old man, corrupted through deceitful desires. Put off the old man and put on the new man, already created in righteousness and holiness, already. At one time, he says, you were darkness. You know, light defines the darkness and light judges uh, the darkness. The light is a substance, the shadow is the absence, and this is rather counterintuitive, but uh, our, our brains have trouble with this, but if space and time are created realities, depended, like physicists, physicists say, somehow on, on light, then there would be no space space or time for darkness if not for the light. And God is light. And God made space and time. God who is light made time for darkness. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. The light is eternal. The darkness is temporal. It had a beginning, and it will have an end. The beginning and the end is the light. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. In time you are darkness, but you are eternal light in the Lord. And, and now is the day of salvation. The moment you believe, eternity touches time, and that moment is now. Eternal life is now. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And, and how does Paul know that these people that are hearing him are light? He knows it because the word he is speaking is judgment and creation and life and light. Jesus said to his disciples, you were already made clean by the word that I have spoken to you. So if you hear the word, you can know that you are light. And if you're asking to yourself, did I just hear the word? Of course you heard the word because you're asking yourself the question, okay? You are light and light is eternal. And now this utterly blows my mind and I don't know if I can say this correctly, okay? So you take a long walk and you chew on this later today. Uh, but Paul seems to be saying that you have an eternal you. Not a you that just lasts forever in time, but a you that is not bound by time 
or by space, an, et an eternal you. He already said that we were chosen in Christ Jesus from the foundation of the world, and he already said that we are, we are already seated in the heavenly places with Christ. So you see, the moment God began to make you in time, breathe into that dust in your, in your mother's womb, the moment that he began to make you in time, you were already finished in Christ and at home with the Father. So you created in time, or perhaps you're revealed in time, yet eternally secure and at home in Christ with the Father. You are an eternally new man and a temporal old man. You are light in the Lord and were darkness. Which brings me back to this fascinating question. Can God, who is light, make darkness? Can God, who is love, make not love? Can God, who is good, make evil? And what is evil? Well, evil is that which God does not will. In other words, can God will what he does not will? <laughs> I don't think so. But maybe God could will to make creatures that would will what he does not will. And thus know what he does not will, and thus one day be able to will what he does will in freedom. A creature that knows evil but wills the good. A creature that knows not God but eternally chooses God. A creature that knows darkness but forever chooses the light. You know, it seems to me that if he were to actually do that, he'd have to find a way to like make the darkness and then fill the darkness with light. But how could God, who is light, make darkness? And another way to ask the question would be something like this. How could a star like our sun make night? The sun can't make night. but maybe the sun could make the earth <laughs> and shine on the earth and the earth would cast a shadow that we call night. Maybe God can't make evil, but he can make Peter <laughs> and shine on Peter and Peter casts a shadow we call sin. So you see, maybe my old man is a shadow cast by the creation of my new man or perhaps the revelation of my new man, my eternal man. Maybe this man that I think I have created, you know, with a lot of cheeseburgers and hard work. I mean, this man that has a Master of Divinity degree and published them two books and, and by the way, covets more books to be published. I mean, this man that, that thinks he needs more pleasures than he already has that lust for those pleasures. I mean, this man that seems to be kind of like always frustrated and grumpy, this man. Maybe this man that I think I have created is just a temporal shadow of what God has already created and is revealing in time. And whatever is exposed to the light becomes light. So maybe the shadow that I have created, the empty space that I have, have made with my self-centered, arrogant dreams is the very space in which God reveals his dream. And his dream is me, created in his image, loving him eternally in freedom. <laughs> That's an epiphany, as Paul puts it. You were darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. I, I was darkness. And I have created an entire world of darkness, and, and yet I have also inherited a new world filled with light, a new heaven and a new earth filled with the glory of God. And I am filled with the glory of God, and God is light. So if, if I stand in the light, I create darkness. 
But if I ingest the light, I become light. And there are no more shadows. If I put me in the spotlight, I cast a shadow. But if I put the spotlight in me, there are no more shadows. And I have knowledge of the dark, but there is no dark. I have knowledge of evil, but constantly choose the good. In other words, I love. I am irresponsibly responsible in the image of God. Not just in the light, but enlightened. <laughs> the light in me. And maybe that's why we were born into this world. Maybe that's the purpose of these evil days, that we would each be enlightened. Maybe that's the process of my salvation and creation in the very image of God. <sighs> Incredible. But, but today, 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 if you see your shadow at some point walking around today, which my guess is you will, if you see your shadow, you don't have to hide the shadow. You don't have to hide the darkness and more darkness. In joy, you can expose the darkness to light and it will become light. And you will see that you are truly clean. And if, you know, you believe that, that, that you're clean, when I believe that I'm clean, I just kind of don't want to roll around in the dirt anymore. Epiphany. I don't have to hide my darkness, for it is not who I am. But who I was. But on the other hand, if I think that darkness is who I am, holy crap, nothing is as terrifying as the light. For what happens when darkness is exposed by the light? What happens when I shine, I get a little light and I shine the light on the darkness? Ah! Ah! I'm melting! <laughs> I see light annihilates darkness. Just annihilates it. Wipes, wipes it out. Light annihilates darkness. Annihilates the old man. Annihilates the, the vessel of, of wrath. Annihilates the shadow man, the, the false man. Annihilates darkness. You know, we say God makes all things new. Does he make shadows new? Well, yeah, but then they're called light, right? So he does. He annihilates. He annihilates the old man when he makes all things new. Darkness, darkness cannot inherit the kingdom of light. And that, my friends, is very good news. The light is wrath upon the sons of disobedience. And one day, one day I will feel like I am being totally annihilated. I will lose my mind. I feel like my brain blowing right up the back of my, my head, my psyche. That's Greek. It's also translated life. One day I will lose my, my psyche and my old body will be consumed by eternal fire, spontaneously combust. And my old man will totally fail. He, he will die. The me that I think I created with my will, my work, my dreams, that, that dark me will be filled with uncreated light. And then I'll have an epiphany. And I will start to laugh like I have never, ever, ever laughed before. And I will start to party like I have never, ever partied before. And the party, the party will never stop. The worst day will become the best day, the eternal day. And check this out, it can begin right now. When eternity invades time as faith. When the eyes of my heart are enlightened. Then I no longer dream my own dreams. I dream God's dreams. And you know what we call God's dreams? Reality. <laughs> exactly. Not a shadow, but the light. I read about old Ramirez. He was crippled. 
crippled and lying alone in his bed. No one was around. He had lived a life of covetousness and lust and impurity, and it was catching up with him, and he could not deny it. Well, old Ramirez, he looked out his window, and he saw his arch-nemesis coming up the mountain, walking toward his house. There was nothing that he could, he could do about it. Borgia, his enemy, broke into the house, broke into the front door, came into Ramirez's bed as he lay there, crippled and infirmed, pulled out a gun, and he said, Ramirez, you will now pay for your crimes. Nothing will deter me from this uh, divine mission of vengeance. Ramirez, there's nothing you can do. And Ramirez said, oh, Borgia, come off of it. That was a long time ago. That was a different day. And Borgia said, no, I'm sorry. It's time to pay. There's nothing that you can do. And Ramirez said, well, actually, there is something that I can do. And Borgia said, what is it? And Ramirez said, I can wake up. <laughs> and he did. And that's enlightenment. You see, when the evil one tells you, there's nothing you can do. It's hopeless. There's nothing you can do. You can wake up. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Ephesians 5.14. This is how Paul ended. Remember? Awake, O sleeper. Wake up, O sleeper. And rise from the dead, and Christ will epiphany you. God is light, and Jesus is the light of the world. At the cross, Jesus annihilates my, my old man. At the cross, Jesus annihilates my old man. Now, the shadow isn't truly real, is it? And yet the pain associated with the shadow, oh, I think that's real. Look at it. It's like, it's like a wound in the light. Now, can the shadow wound the light? And, and, and yet, and yet, even if the shadow can't wound the light, um, the light did make space and time to accommodate me. You see, I am, I am made at a wound in the light like a wound on the side of the ultimate Adam. I'm the bride of Christ, and I bet it hurt. I mean, look at that shadow. It's shaped like me. On the cross, Jesus annihilated my old man. And Jesus is my new man. Jesus is the light. Well, to awaken from our dreams, we must trust the light. That's called faith. You see, that's the battle. <laughs> to awaken from our dreams, we must trust the light. And so Jesus, the light, entered our darkness. He descended into all our evil dreams. And there on the very darkest of nights, betrayed by this entire world, the light took bread and he broke it, saying, look, this is my body broken for you. Look. The light shines in the darkness, doesn't it? And in the same manner, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the eternal covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. This is the light. 
Maybe this is why you were born into this world. To see this. In order that you would be enlightened. So come to the table. Have a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. The dark cups are wine, the light cups are juice. Take the light and whisper to yourself, Let there be light. In my darkness, let there be me, the real me. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? Let's pray this. You just pray this with me, okay? Let's pray it together. You can pray it silently in your heart. Father, I, I am empty. I am a sinner. Or at least I was a sinner until this moment. I confess to you my darkness. Now, Father, let there be light. And now I want you to listen to the word of God. At one time, you were darkness. But now... You are light in the Lord. Believe the gospel and worship. By the cross you are the truth. You are the life. You are the way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You see, if you thought this sermon was complicated, I know on one level it's totally complicated. On another level, it's profoundly simple. All, everything is just about getting you to say, let there be light from the bottom of your heart. And when you say, let there be light, you agree with God in like the very first sentence of the Bible, right? Because what does it start out with? There's this empty, formless void of darkness, and God says, let there be light. In other words, if God is light, he was saying, let there be me. And if the light goes into this world, he's saying, let there be Jesus, because Jesus is the light of the world. And whenever we sin, what are we saying? Let there be me. But, but there's, a, there's, a you, there's a new me, there's a good me, too. We're saying, let there be darkness, right? Wherever it's me in the spotlight, wherever I'm on the point. And, and so then what is salvation? It's simply saying, okay, God, I've kind of seen this whole deal, and uh, I think your dreams are better than my dreams. <laughs> so uh, let there be light. And for all eternity, you agree with God, and that's life, and your Father is good. And so uh, when you're tempted, when you struggle with your shadow, remember that God makes everything new, and every moment can be new, and all you have to say is, God, let there be light. And it's a process. It takes your lifetime. But God will do it because he's done it. He's eternal. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel and walk in the light, even now, as he is in the light. Better yet, become the light. Amen.